0: sounds gun. Take
1: your sticking paws off me, you damn dirty ape!
0: it's the Stinking Paws with Scott. It's a special episode today. No Paul, no Liam again, but very, very pleased to welcome previous guest and my co-host on the Real Britannia podcast. It's Stephen. Good morning, sir. Good morning, mate. Thanks for having me on. Welcome back.
2: Yes, this is my pleasure. I think, you know, I enjoyed it so much last time that here I am back for more punishment. Exactly.
0: It's 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 a pleasure having you on board to actually have some intelligent conversation for a change. Highly I, a, I, would, I wouldn't
2: say <laughs> that it's it's not normally intelligent. I would say it's just um, differently intelligent, a <laughs> different strain of intelligence. We <laughs>
0: <laughs> Last time you brought us a German movie from the nineties or the early two thousands. I can't remember what it was. 2000s nineties. Yeah. It was the 90s, yeah. yeah. So in a similar vein, we're we're talking continental movies again today. What have you brought to the table today, mate?
2: It's it's another continental <laughs> subtitled film from the nineties, which is not something I'm going to continue to do. But yeah. it just occurred to me the opportunity was I wanted to have. And this time round, it's a French film um, called Ridicule, yes, or, well, or, or in English, Ridicule. Well done. Um, so <laughs> that's I'm not going to be doing my yellow alo impersonation all the way through this. <laughs> um, we're well, talking about so, uh,
0: lolo actually you saying that previously on the stinking paws whenever we've reviewed a french movie it was always difficult to find a trailer in english so yes. i would i would resort to playing the lolo theme tune you know it's really derogatory you know there, that was our touchstone for anything french was the you know the lolo theme tune luckily there is a trailer in english this time
2: but it's a God. Of, a type of English.
0: Type, it's, it's God awful. It's, it was released for the American release of the movie. Uh, I think Miramax were the distributor. And it is. Well, take a listen. I mean, if you were to see this trailer, there's, there's no French dialogue in it whatsoever. So you've got no idea that it's a foreign movie. And it's almost billed as an action piece. Take a listen to this. We'll be right back afterwards.
1: In the age of Louis XVI, a country engineer traveled to Versailles with a plan to save his village. He thought he would persuade the palace with reason and compassion. <laughs> he was wrong. To succeed at this court, he'll have to learn to dress To laugh. (laughs) To seduce. And above all, he'll learn that wit is the (laughs) ultimate weapon. strange world where fortunes and power change hands overnight the key to survival is avoiding the ultimate disgrace
0: There we go mate that's the trailer for Ridicule released in 1997 it says here in the UK the 7th of February 97 but it is a 96 movie directed by Patrice Leconte and please forgive me all our thousands of french listeners as i tell you it also stars Charles Berling Jean Rochefort Fanny Ardant <laughs> Judith Godrèche Bernard Girardot. I'm going to leave it there because i'm crippling the entire French language. Give us an English synopsis, sir, please.
2: <laughs> right. Uh, on the brink of the revolution, an idealistic aristocrat ventures to the court of Versailles to beg for aid. However, wit alone can win an audience with the king. In his attempts to dazzle, the valiant hero keeps his nerve in the midst of sexual and political intrigue, but can he escape the most venomous pitfall? Ridicule. Hmm. So, um, kind of gives you an impression of, of what's going on, but it's only slightly more accurate than the trailer we just had. <laughs> it's it's a, a a film that actually has more subtleties than um, the trailer or that that description might um, yeah might suggest. I, well, I was uh,
0: quite impressed with it. It was a first time watch for me.
2: Oh uh, yes, yeah.
0: Which which surprised me because I'd never even heard of it. Now, the nineties was the period, I think, in my film-watching career, I watched a lot of foreign language stuff. I loved it, you know, because back then, on video, Artificial Eye and Tartan Video were bringing out all of these great classics from France, from Germany, from Italy, and I'd lap most of them up. You know, we're talking of the era of Sophie Marceau and Gerard Depardieu at their peak, you know, it was that sort of era. And with regard to Patrice Leconte, I'd seen Monsieur Ier and... Headdress's Husband.
2: Headdresser's Husband, yeah. Yeah,
0: I'd seen both of those. This one completely passed me by, and it was Oscar-nominated for Best Foreign Language Movie, wasn't
2: it? It was, it was. It was France's, um, you know, selection to put mm. forward for a foreign movie, for, and it won BAFTAs
1: yeah, um, Golden Globe as well. As well it, yeah. um,
2: mm. I believe it was Best Foreign Language um, BAFTA it got. So, it, it, you know, it got notice, Felt and I want a better phrase. Yeah, but um, not noticed by you.
0: Exactly. I don't know why
2: that, that was my wildest you know, fears. You know, a real downfall in its accolades. <laughs> yeah. Some of so the golden trophies it can get. If, if you didn't know about it, well, then yeah. something desperately
0: failed. wrong. You know, the, yeah. the, a, a film success is always you know aided by my quote on the poster of what I thought, isn't it? You know. <laughs>
2: Oh, yeah, you should imagine that in future, you start putting quotes from things we've said on the podcast. Can you and imagine them it? Over.
0: Can you imagine it? They'll all be bleeped out, most of them anyway. Yeah. They'll be little, little uh, asterisks. I'd like to see Liam and Paul's as well. <laughs> sort of. Didn't like it. Didn't like it. <laughs> uh, you've seen this a fair few times. You've got this on VHS, as you say. I've
2: got it on VHS, <laughs> which is where I resorted to, um, to actually watching it. Um, yesterday, yeah, I, I I dug my VHS player out of the cupboard, mm. um, brushed the dust off it using using quite a large broom and, and several <laughs> vacuum cleaners, um, and then tried to remember how these things worked. Um, oh, that you had to boy. rewind things.
0: That's true. And didn't you just say to me off air that there was a, there was a tape in the machine?
2: There was um, a cassette, audio Mm. in the Machine, which Mm. shows the last time I'd used it. And the Mm. last time I'd used this VHS player um, was when me and Smokey guested on your show, or Mm. you guested on our show, um, and we watched um, Four Weddings and a Funeral. (laughs) Um, And I'd like to say, not to to give any spoilers about my review of of Ridicule, but um, I'm going to give it a better review than um, Four Weddings and a Funeral.
0: Oh, because I thought you liked four weddings. I can't. Re- I'm going to have to go back to that episode mm. to, to hear your comments. Um, that was six years ago, by my reckoning.
2: Yes, at Got least to be, hasn't
0: yeah. it? And so that's how long the video vcr has been sitting yeah. in your cupboard. i think
2: it's the last time i spoke to charlie so really um, no yeah, uh, <laughs> Carl's been absent, where, where is sin. he where is he so, yeah, <laughs> yeah the scallop pimpernel that's what we should
0: have covered yeah. um so yeah this is this is a favorite i'll take it you it's, it's you've,
2: one that yes yeah, years ago i i watched it in the 90s obviously and then um, picked up a copy of it um i think somebody else introduced me to it yeah it's one that i just you know, took a liking to, and then I bought, and I've watched it a few times on the video because I've had it, but I haven't really watched it since I stopped using <laughs> um, uh, VHS, obviously, so I haven't seen it probably for about 10 years, to be perfectly honest, yeah. um, revisited it, so I think the last time I did watch it, I was able to um, watch it with a critical eye, um, more so than the first time I'd watched it, but yeah, I've watched it a few times, but still, it was refreshing to watch it yesterday, and and see how my memory of it tallied up with what it actually is on the screen, okay. and um, what the, the relative quality of the the film is. Because you always remember things slightly differently, particularly ten do. years yeah. away. So, um, but yeah, as, as a first watch for you, though, that's that's quite an interesting thing that um, it, it hadn't hadn't uh, you know crossed your bow before. It had
0: now. not at all. I, when you told me a couple of months ago that this was going to be your next selection, I'm like. Nope, don't know that at all. And then I looked it up on, on the good old internet. Didn't ring any bells with me. Now, the only reason I think this may have been was round about 96 was when I left the video stores. You know, I wasn't working in the video stores, so I wasn't aware too much of the new releases coming out. And for certain reasons, I, I, I didn't go to the cinema for a couple of years round about then because we didn't have a local cinema. I didn't drive. The,
2: when you're banned. I mean,
0: it was. You know, I wasn't allowed out the house. The tag wouldn't allow me to go out. Yeah, the curfew. Um, <laughs> but you know, and and I missed a, a lot of movies over that late '90s period. So this one, superb to actually one find a film from that era that I hadn't seen because you know, as I said, I used to devour that sort of stuff quite voraciously, and to actually find one from it's it's like finding a, a '60s album or an artist that you weren't familiar with. You know, for me and then suddenly discovering that you like them, and like, oh great, that opens up a whole new set of albums, you know. But with this, it was like, okay, um, a mid to late 90s French language movie, Oscar nominated, couple of fairly famous faces, a director I'm familiar with, whose work I've enjoyed previously, I'm going to like it. Let's be honest, Start right from the start, I tried watching it Friday night, which was a mistake because I was very tired. I lasted about 20 minutes and I fell asleep, which is not a good start, you know, not a good sign. I thought, no, got to give this a proper viewing. So I watched it yesterday evening when I was a bit more alert. And bang, right, here we go. Let's let's warn the audience here. Um, a copy of this is quite difficult to find unless you own a VHS recorder, obviously, because <laughs> it, it, trying to find a copy with subtitles was a little bit of a chore, but I managed to find one. And instantly, we've got to talk about this. Let's get this out of the uh, the elephant out of the room. The opening scene.
2: Yeah, there's mm. somebody pissing on an old man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> to be fair, that's um, exactly. you see, you know, cock out, and um, the stream of urine um, coming out. Um, <laughs> that that's within probably about forty five seconds of, yes. of the the opening titles disappearing off the screen so can you um, imagine my initial reaction to that i
0: thought right steven's brought me this movie that i'm looking forward to and here we go you know it's... Well. <laughs> but it's, it's relevant to what develops although you probably don't realize it at the time you know it was but basically what it is is a guy was insulted by the old man many years ago in the french court and he takes his revenge because this old boy now is sort of like chair bound, and, and you know he's lost his voice. He can't, he can't react to whatever's going to happen to him, which is
2: this guy pissing all over him, basically. Yeah. Um, and then him telling telling his his wife or housemaid, telling them that you know when he's leaving, say no, he he, he was too too excited by yeah, seeing me again. Yeah, Unfortunately, had, had he's, he's forgotten himself, and
0: <laughs> um... but he's, he's pissed all over him. So be prepared for that, ladies and gents, if you are going to watch this film, but. It then develops into what the French do quite well with their movies, these historical-type dramas. And it's an interesting sort of side of things that I wasn't aware of. I mean, we've seen it to a certain degree in, in some of like the Georgian dramas that the UK produced, you know, about... Um, Manners in you know high society, and there's a lot of powdered wigs and, and you know heaving bosoms mm. and things like that that we we're used to in these type of movies. And I will tell you what, it did remind me of. Um, do you know the Monty Python sketch where Oscar Wilde and Bernard Shaw are competing against each other to throw witticisms at the king?
2: Oh yes, and, yeah. it,
0: and it's you know they're insulting the king, and then they're blaming each other, saying you know Your Majesty is like a stream of bats' piss. And yeah. <laughs> Well, that's exactly what it reminded me of. So, tell us the story. Tell us why you like it. Just give us a rundown well, on ridiculous, Michael.
2: Yeah, I mean, I suppose um, before I'd seen this, I'd seen um, Dangerous Liaisons. That's the one I'm with, uh, thinking Malcovich of as well. And, yeah, and Glenn Closing. Yeah. and that was you know a sumptuous production and the the pl- political instri- intrigue with the um, and as you say the mamas mm. element to it as yeah. well as the um, the way that the courtly... Um, affairs and things that um, I think was you know was an interesting starting point, and I think that's still a, a, a very good film. I understand there's actually French language versions which are um, potentially more credible in some respects. Mm. But I you know I enjoyed that film in the early nineties, and this was this was like the French doing it for themselves, yeah. and and. it makes me wish I I knew French because I'm sure that some of the witticisms and things are actually even funnier if you understand the actual language.
0: Yeah, does it get lost in translation a wee bit? Because it, yeah. Mm.
2: Well, it seems from what of, you know, I seem to remember from the time, and I I double-checked yesterday, that the actual um, perception of the translation that's been done, apparently Mm. it's very faithful to keeping... The, the wit and the humour in there rather than just being a, a, a very literal translation right. of what's being said, mm. which could lose some of the humour. Mm. It's it's apparently been done by somebody who's, who's looked quite faithfully at making sure there's a, a transposition cool. of yeah. the, the humour as well as just the actual words that are being said. Um, so I think that's been you know it's quite useful because it it does have you know numerous witty remarks in it going through and you can see how it works as far as um, them being cutting of each other and this you know the the whole hierarchical status building from being able to cut somebody down from being witty. Um along with the the element that the French always have of, of mistresses and sleeping with with each other and things, which is is part of French culture it seems. But <laughs> um, <in> now, yeah. <laughs> obviously the, the 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 acting in this is you know, is is of a high level, yeah. Um, and the direction as well, you know. And I think that the the combination of the elements in this that you've got and the set building as well. I think that, that, that there is a danger you can have, like with some period pieces, that they'll um, overblow the elements of of how the whole costuming in and um, set building goes yeah. to make it make it to the extent of the extravagance that there was, but. Kind of lose what that was papering over the cracks of mm-hmm. this. I think gives you a peek behind the scenes. Like you know, it mentions about you know the putting white powder on. You've know, got to be careful because it shows how yellow your teeth are. That's, and mm-hmm. you know, it, it brings home the fact that you know people didn't <laughs> didn't wash. Um, back <laughs> yeah. then, and to some extent, the peasants might be cleaner in some <laughs> you know in some ways. But it doesn't give you a, a, a one sided, so just sort of um, flamboyant. Overblown, glossy view of the aristocrats. It shows the, the sort of the dark side of them, not just in oh, their behaviour, yeah, yeah. but also to some extent in how they um, they are with their own um, accoutrement, mm.
1: um,
2: as it were, that their their clothing and their their dressing and and such like. It is, you know, it's, it's it's not to the level that you would get in a lot of other period dramas where they're trying to you know put across a certain impression. Well, so so there's that element of it. Of it definitely that appeals to me, um, along with the humour. But I think also an uh, extra appreciation over the years I've had with it is that there's the the parallel. I didn't quite appreciate it the first time round. I don't think, or last time round I watched it. I don't think I fully appreciated that there's this the subtext within it mm-hmm. about the fact that it it um, is portraying these individuals who are oblivious to what the world is around them. They're 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 so insular with the court yeah. that that what's going on around them as far as the, the social changes, they're they're oblivious to. And there being one person coming into that world to try and, you know, try and do some good and them being oblivious to to what he's even talking about and why he's even caring about the fact that the peasants are dying and things seems to be an interesting Pointed towards that, you know, it's just before the, the revolution, um, where so many of them did lose their heads and, yep. and get get put out to England, and the poor devils having to go and stand on the cliffs at Dover. Um, <laughs> the subtext I you know, picked up on not before, that the, not only was there the injection of the um, social responsibility in the eye to, to the development of the lower classes um, through the lead character, um, but also through through the daughter of his, his mentor who is yep. the, the engin- engineer woman who's trying out various methods of trying to survive underwater in a, <laughs> yes. in a deep diving suit and such like that is showing that the progress also of of, of sort of the industrial side of things the industrial revolution just been about to break and um, science, Coming in to overturn, yeah, whole new world, been, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, whole new world that was, you know, the Enlightenment and, and crossing over, and the French Revolution, putting science as a religion and things. Yeah. That was, that was, you know, them two being the the, the harbingers of, of the. Um, aristocrats demise but them not being able to see it but they're not being a threat in what way are they trying to actually just do their own thing and and it's the aristocrats who were the villains of the pieces by completely ignoring it. that from a i suppose from a political with a small p point of view it also has an appeal to me that that's a subplot that's in there which i didn't pick up on the rest of the times so i was right, watching okay. it it seems to be something that i just i just watched it for it being a a witty um costume Drama, yeah. Um, rather than it having that social pointers, so again that added an element to it for for enjoyment from me. I do remember from the previous watches of it that it, it had a lot more witticisms in it than it did or a lot more biting witticisms than than it did at the rewatch. But mm. um, still, the, I think for me there was enough in there to just be able to get the taste. Of what the whole culture was about within the court, yeah. where it was and um, and the cruelty just about it, to it, say it wasn't. it yeah. wasn't just about being funny. It was it was to the to the detriment of people, and to the point where you know people were you know committing suicide because they'd been cut down.
0: Yeah, embarrassed and
2: yeah, yeah.
0: But also the cruelty is reflected in the scene where you've got the deaf mute children that are being presented to court. And what they think is wit is actually very, very cruel, very harmful, very bitter. And they're taking the piss out of the poor sods, basically. But they think they're being funny. just want to go back to what you were saying about cinematography and it not focusing too much on the lavish sort of sets and the backgrounds, which is perfect, perfect observation, mate. Because if this were... I don't know, not necessarily a Merchant Ivory, but a period piece of the time that we've seen a dozen times before. There'd be a lot of shots of grand hallways and staircases, uh, and you know, these mm. high ceilinged rooms and ballroom dancing and stuff. The only bit that stood out for me where I thought they've actually decided to do this deliberately to focus sort of cinematically on what was going on. And I'm not comparing this to Stanley Kubrick in any way, but if you've seen Barry Lyndon, where Kubrick films everything with natural light and it all looks like an oil painting, Yeah, 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 there's the scene at the dinner table that's all lit by candlelight, and it's the only one that really sort of stands out as being, you know, a different sort of perspective of things, and that stood out for me. And I'm thinking, okay, yeah, this is actually quite good. This is the the cinematography here.
2: Is it's, making, it's, yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's, the, it's authentic lighting,
0: mm, but, in a sense. But yeah. it was the only, the only scene, if you know what I mean, that you've been directed to look at the the scenery. The scenery is not mm. important in this film. The, the the language is the important part of this film. The yeah. manners of the people are important. And as you say, it's it's the cruelty that's underlying the wit, and it's the competitiveness. It's fiercely competitive because. For those that haven't seen the film, the, the story revolves around our main character, who owns lands in a desperately boggy, mosquito-ridden part of France, where all his, you know, all the all the landowners and the people that work on the land are dying because of, well, I'm assuming, sort of cholera and malaria and God knows what that goes with, you know, the environment they're living in. So he proposes that he wants to build a system of irrigation canals dikes, just to alleviate the problem so his people can work the land healthily yep that's what it, it essentially yeah, boils to he's down got the to.
2: plans meticulous plans and mm. he's very, obviously very clever with it all because he manages to spot in other instances things that can be done that, to help the king with his armaments and th- yeah. so he's got an eye for this thing he's obviously yeah. not just a, a dilettante he's, mm. he's actually you know somebody who does have Real He's an engineer, um, isn't he? he? Yeah, he does have, have real knowledge of, of what he's trying to do yeah. that actually will make a difference. So
0: the only way that he can sort of fund this grand plan is, is to, not necessarily beg, but to approach the king for funding, to, to achieve it. And the, the only way he can do that is to appear in court and get noticed. And the only way you get noticed in the court of it's Louis XVI isn't it I was going to say the 14th it's Louis Sixteenth. the only way yeah. to get noticed in the court of King Louis Sixteenth is through wit and it's a, sort of a competitive battle ongoing but not puns though not, you can't that puns You where not... my
2: downfall would be you'd be
0: king of the court if it was the other way around sir. Yeah. It, but also don't, don't laugh there's a, there's a distinct set of ground rules isn't there do not ever laugh at your own joke
2: yeah, don't laugh with your mouth open. Don't
0: smile with your mouth open or whatever it was, yeah. That, yeah. And, it's, and it's all treated with disdain or or you've failed. You know, your 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 piece of witticism could be one of the best things said in court, but if you laugh at it, it doesn't count. And there's an incredible set of ground rules that are laid out. And you can see there's, there's cheating going on as they're trying to be competitive with their word play. And as you say, it's, it gets to the point where somebody actually hangs himself because he's been embarrassed in front, well, not even in front of the king. He doesn't even get to meet the king. It's just desperate, desperate times amongst the upper classes. And I I did enjoy it. I, I thought that side of things were really great. Going back to this whole thing about, as you say, his mentor's daughter, and she's building, not scuba diving kit, but one of those original deep-sea deep sea diving. deep diving thing. the big
2: metal helmets yeah. and the tubes that, that actually do go sort of, above the um, th- one one for speaking through one for the airflow that's yeah um, all yeah. operated
0: with a bellows like a foot bellows thing yeah and there's this little sub story here isn't there that she's going to marry a man who is soon to be a widower uh, soon to be a yeah. yeah soon to be a widower who's probably twice her age
2: um but he's very rich yeah um, she's going to get two you know two thousand francs um a-, a month which you know probably uh, probably two hundred thousand pounds or yeah, something of it, you know, it's probably it, yeah. along that level of what it would be nowadays. And yes, he's, you know, saying it I think there's a, a line when um the the, the minor aristocrat, our mm. hero, the who wants to drain the swamp as it as it were, for about yeah. a, a better phrase, not not like Trump, but wants <laughs> to drain the swamp. He's having a com- he has a conversation with these this, this husband to be yeah. who's effectively a rival and he kind of recognises him as being a rival but he recognises that his own age is that you know she'll be a very rich lady at the age of 30 because you know, he's insane that he'll be gone by the yeah. time she turns 30 and that she'll inherit everything yeah. and that I think he's trying to basically imply that the young lord should just hang about mm. um, and hang on until she until he's dead and then he can move in sort yeah. of thing but um obviously that's not the way they say things but absolutely she's she's got all the, this she's been given the freedom unlike many women at the time to actually expand her mind and her learning and to embrace um science
0: yeah
2: and has flourished with it because she's got obviously got the mind for it and she's having her own experiments which Seem to be not for any specific purpose, but just a uh, uh, because yeah, it it's appeals to her. Yeah. yeah,
0: it's never mentioned why she's actually building this diving suit. Is there's no specific reasoning behind it? But also, I got the impression also because of this two thousand francs that she's going to receive. It's, it's to fund her research. Yes, but is it also to pay off debts of her father?
2: Oh yes, the yeah, that's, the, that's the poor, poor, isn't it? Yeah. Despite the aristocratic titles, as yeah. what's happening around this time. The aristocrats, um, partially due to the cost of their living, but also due to the fact that, you know, they they had to make changes to accommodate the peasants and mm. the, the emerging merchant class. This is just a you know, a history lesson. We you know the, the the Black Death had meant there was a change in balance where the the economies of most European countries and also, you know, um, exploration and wars and stuff, but yes, the the her father is, despite the aristocratic title, is is impoverished basically, <laughs> um, and you know it's the same as the 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 young noble who's fighting to to save his peasants from disease. You know he's he says that his his only material value is the buckles on his shoes. You know yes. it's um, so the, the the money versus social status aren't the same. Aren't equivalent to each other. That's it's this. That's again why it's a demise of the um, the aristocratic class. But yes, her 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 intent is to make this sacrifice of her own body as well as her own um, so twice a month. Her own romantic mm-hmm. future. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's there's actually a contract drawn up before the the um, husband it, becomes it, a, an actual yeah, widow when his wife's dead. still alive. <laughs> uh, they're drawing a contract up that she won't appear at court ever. That's um, it. Under no circumstances, and that he'll have access to her bed twice a month, and that she'll get this um, amount of amount of money through. Um, she does, you know, mention about a, a workshop, which is apparently in the appendices of the agreement. That's um, right. So that's how you know. I the details gone through, and how much of it is a, a business relationship rather than it being a romantic one.
0: There's also also you you've just mentioned the bit I was going to say about the, the she's forbidden to attend court which comes into play towards the end when she does appear in court there is a lot of underhand sort of double dealing and sort of like conniving and scheming going on now one of them one of these sort of set pieces that stood out for me is this dinner party that I mentioned earlier that was beautifully lit with the candles and stuff like that the the point of this part of the, the story is that an extra person has been invited for dinner is that correct? And yes, they've made it
2: to be 13, which is obviously unlucky for, yeah. for particularly Catholics. So they, they decide, they set this up purposely so that they can have a contest to get rid of somebody. Bad and shit. they intentionally set it, set him up, the um, the young noble. Yeah. And pretty much he, he loses this battle of wits, as it were,
0: because everybody's been pre-prepared apart from him. So he's, he's, he's obviously going to lose. He leaves court. He, he he leaves court in 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 disgrace. It goes back, doesn't he, to, to his his town? Or he, and there's a young kid dying uh, from drinking the water.
2: It's the lad that he rescued in in the early scene when he, yes. he took suffered from the water on on the horseback and yes, it. um, It's that that
0: young lad. He's drunk um, some contaminated water basically, and he's yeah. dying. So he's he's thinking, hang on a minute, I've I've left court just because these guys have humiliated me, but. I was battling for these people. This young lad's dying. This is what I was in court for. The bit I probably sort of skimmed over or missed or whatever. How does the duel come about? There's a there's a duel. He challenges somebody to a pistols at dawn.
2: It's um, when he's you know, he does actually get to see the king. Yeah, and he's um, the king's walking with him and the the inspect the cannons um, yeah. and the armaments, and he suggests um, a ratchet. To enable better control over the, or something or, or some some joint on the um, the cannon to better control mm-hmm. the angles and such like, and he makes this recommendation. And the king then turns around to the sort of the 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 chief of the cannons, the master of cannons, um, in his royal armaments, and, and says, "Oh, you know, that's that's a really good idea. What do you think?" And mm-hmm. he has to sort of say, "Oh, oh, yeah," mm-hmm. but he's been embarrassed in front of the king, ah. so he then sort of then the they sort of he says something to the um to the the minor noble and he ends up um they there's a the challenge to the jewel to, mm. to sort of give satisfaction. Um which later, you know, transpires that the king can't see him again um because he's killed him. Yeah. But um if if that was you know, you can't see him immediately because he's, he's killed one of his officers but if he hadn't have killed him he wouldn't be able to see him at, at all ever again right because his um honor would have been besmirched so it's kind of again playing into these rules which are ludicrous and, and yeah. setting somebody up to to fall and isn't a no win situation kind of thing um due to this court protocol unfortunately
0: just want to go back um we mentioned the trailer the Americanization of the trailer. There are two posters. We spoke briefly about this off-air, mate. There's two posters. Yes. There's the, there's the continental release and then there's the US slash English release of the poster. And if you look at them both, they are completely different. And obviously the, the, the French one sums up exactly what this film is about, right? Because there's a guy prostrate to the ground... Uh, I'm assuming it's the king Whose feet we can see The word ridicule in lovely red script Underneath and it's just about You can see this is about A period piece and about manners in court And everything that's involved in, In that You look at the US version Which is plastered with two thumbs up from Roger Ebert and You know that sort of stuff As you normally get There is no indication That this film is not set in the 20th century No, it has... Wit is a
2: weapon.
0: Wit is a weapon, exactly. (laughs) Um, There's a picture of Fanny Ardant with her bare back, like, looking over her shoulder, right? Yeah, which is not a scene I remember. No. Uh, And it's not as if the hair is particularly done in, you know, of the time,
2: 16th, 17th century, She's not wearing the, the powdered wig.
0: No. And then if you look at just below her, there's some almost silhouettes of people. Sort of gossiping, almost putting their hands up and and sort of you know whispering behind behind their hands. They that could have been someone from the nineteen nineties. They don't look as if it's a period piece at all. There's no indication that this is a French language movie whatsoever.
2: No, it it just doesn't it it doesn't actually um, sell it for the film. It is, but then again. <laughs> There is the argument, and we've been down this line before. We could probably do a you could probably do a whole podcast about yeah. um, podcast show at least about um, how the different way of marketing films in order to try and get a. a american audience to actually go to the cinema to see it you need to, to miss mis- it yeah The yeah the madness <laughs> of king george which originally was called the madness of king george the yeah. third um which they actually changed the title of because when they actually took it over to the states there was far too many people turning around and saying i'm not going to watch it because i've not seen the first two brilliant it's a classic one uh, isn't it that's the one yeah, i always remember uh, yeah and just you know it's it's you know I don't know how they got away with the sixth sense, because who's seen the fifth <laughs> sense and the fourth sense? But still, it's it's um, one of those, and I dread to think what they thought of, of you know, what did um, 300. But, oh, um, blimey, yeah. This, yeah. <laughs> um, but this is a the thing. There's a certain amount of mis-selling that unfortunately has to go on when it's presented to um, uh, the United States audience who, um, who are perceived as being um, less cultured and sophisticated in order mm-hmm. to take up and unfortunately the marketing um figures would back that up with yeah. regards to, to foreign language films. Um and so they maybe felt that they would they'd rather missell it and, and make some money out of it rather than keep the, the purity. Um I think in this country I think there was um as I say a bit more where they they, they adapted the French one with the, the courtier kissing the free, feet rather mm. than it being because um, I seem to remember that one being the one that I was more aware of, okay. rather than the, um, the the Betty Blue type, yes. um, yeah. type type imagery that they were seemingly trying to take off. Because that's what it reminds me of more the, the sort of Betty Blue as the Americanized um, poster. Uh, but it's interesting that's you know to point out that that's kind of the the way it was it, it was marketed. Yeah. Um, despite what the film is, and it's good to mention it because it might clear up some people's misunderstandings if they'd been aware of that poster for it and thought, "I'm not going to go for it because it's a different film." To you know, it's not the film that we're describing.
0: It looks like two completely different movies when you put the posters side by side. It's it's yeah. incredible the difference between. I mean, you the expect two. a
2: car chase. Um, That's anyway. what it looks like. Well, yeah, it could be. Um, it
0: looks like a Bond so. movie. You know, it's, it's yeah. almost you know looks like a Bond movie poster. um I loved it. I just want to say, I, I went in with medium to high expectations of this, knowing Patrice Lacan and my love for French movies of this, you know, that were released in this era. And I was just sort of struck by. The when getting the cock out. Yeah, yeah the, well, at first, that was the first thing that struck me, you know. <laughs> and, uh, I, that's probably what held my attention. I thought, right, where's this going to go from here then, if this is the first but, scene?
2: It's, it's interesting, though, that there's, you know, some... We, we know that continental movies, and particularly French ones, mm. they have a more... Um, they're not backwards and going forwards, are they? No, like? they have a more liberal attitude towards <laughs> showing nudity. It's kind Easy, of their okay. thing that they don't, you know, that they, they don't have the same hang-ups with it that we do. But it's interesting that when you think about it, that with the exception of seeing Fanny Ardent's um naked bottom at one point, yep. and that's in a half-light, mm. you don't see any other nudity throughout this which is unusual mm. for a French film. Um yet you, you know that is the you do see, you know a a, a fully exposed penis mm. um, in the the initial scenes, but then there's not much not much um, nudity in it at all, which is unusual for a French film. But it does it does actually under the parents' guide um, on IMDb, it does describe the sex and nudity uh, rating as severe. Really, um, <laughs> just because of that one cock. <laughs> Um, but then we know, you know, we know culturally, um, you know, having um, bare breasts or an exposed Fanny, well, Fanny Ardent, mm. um having a, <laughs> a, a, a a naked woman is seen as being less shocking yeah. than than just a, a, a penis, even in its flaccid state, yeah. you know, on the screen. So, yes. I'm um, wondering
0: how much it, of that would have been cut for the UK, because it's not just a case of the cock coming out. You actually see it actually pissing
2: yeah Yeah. i mean you know theoretically they could have cut that entire first opening scene of of two minutes or whatever it is they could have cut that out and and that might have been something that happened for the release elsewhere in some places Mm. but um like you say you you've got that initial bit to get over yourself and then from that point how did your feelings develop well from
0: that first scene Initially, you think this is going to be a bit more lighthearted than what it actually d- develops into, because it is quite comical, that scene, although yeah. you're a bit sort of like taken aback as to what you've just witnessed in that first 90 seconds. And you think, OK, is this going to be the tone of the movie? Is it going to be a little bit baldy, a little bit risqué? And it's not really, as you say, apart from one bare bum and, and, and that's about it. But it could have been in in somebody else's hands. Exactly. It could have developed into something. But what it actually develops into, and I'm, I'm just going to go to Roger Ebert, right, because he's on the poster with his two thumbs up in the American poster. But he's always a bit of a turn to for me. I always like to see what he thought of movies at the time. And he puts this really well in his final sort of, paragraph of his review he says what's fascinating about the film is so much depends on language which is that's evident you know for me because i knew this what the film was going to be it was going to be about battles of wits in the court of louis uh, of king louis so um he says so much depends on language but so little is really said which is true right the characters come and go polishing their one-liners. There's a lot of preparation going on. You can see them swatting up for their homework before they go into court, you know. Uh, Memorising their comebacks and all this lot. But he says, none of what they say actually means anything. It's all words. The eyes carry the meaning. Watch the way the characters look at one another and you can follow the real plot while they spin their tortured fancies. And it is, if you watch it, it's quite a simple story. We probably made this to be a little bit more complex than what the story actually is. There's a few little subplots and a little bit of underlying stories here and little offshoots. Going, but they all link. They're all relevant. And as you said, the, the, the one bit that you noticed with the political side of things this time round, even though you've probably seen it half a dozen times, mm. yeah. again, makes that a good movie. We've said this before, haven't we? That if you can watch a movie that you think you're familiar with, 20, 30, 40 years down the line, you've seen it so many times and you can still find something in it. That's got to be the sign of a great movie, hasn't it? That you can still find something refreshing or something new with something you think you're so familiar with. So for you, I'm glad that you've, you've seen something else within the movie that you'd seen before.
2: Absolutely. Um, Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's an, uh, an additional, um, pointers in it for me to actually take away from it um, and I'm glad that you've actually taken you know you've actually taken
0: to it mm. uh, I'm, go- I'm gonna go back and try and find some other Patrice Leconte stuff that I haven't seen um, yeah I don't know if he did many more period pieces because everything else was contemporary wasn't it like Masharia and hairdresser's husband mm, yeah and they were yeah. a little bit strange if I remember or a bit dark as well weren't they they sort of developed you know on the darker side of people's fantasies or he was accused of being a murderer wasn't he just because he was a loner he was a, a just a a guy that kept himself to himself and it was all about people's perceptions of of other people so yeah one of the french directors of that period that i quite admired i quite liked so I'm, i might go back and try and find some other stuff particularly like this this period stuff as well from from 90s french cinema i i liked lorraine margot and um didn't Serrano de Bergerac came out sort of round about this era, didn't it? Was yeah. Yeah. The original, didn't? yeah. Yeah. And yeah. yeah,
2: there was, there was, and there was there. also, um, Oh, what's it called? The one that got remade as, uh, Summersby, um, oh, and yeah. the original version of that, which, that um, was the as well, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Martin a, a, yeah. Martin Gare. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And I remember, you know, I remember it didn't quite, I know Jodie Foster, she was in it and it was, she did, performed well but mm. i just preferred the french version exactly um, often the case though isn't but, it you know <laughs> yeah it is yeah because we're we poncy you know poncy about films <laughs> so we prefer the original language version oh, there's um, one thing we're not um, about films Stephen. <laughs> yeah i don't think we can be accused of poncy about films um but the um yeah the, there's plenty to be delving into and, and i think much like um much like there's er- eras within British cinema that we discuss on the Real Britannia podcast. Yeah. Give it a listen, and well um, then um, <laughs> we. Um, the, I think there is the within f- the French cinema. Mm. I think there was, you know, the, the the new wave and then the new new wave sort of thing, and then I think there was a certain amount of how it developed as a as a film because they had a different aspect as well with the fact that they've got laws that dictate a certain amount of films that shown have to be french language films and stuff in their yeah. cinema similar as, as they have with the the the, the radio mm. um so they've got an inbuilt sort of support system there in a way and i think that the waves that they've had of different um cinema and different styles of cinema i think that um the 90s was a resurgence in a way of of um, a different type of filmmaking, and some extra directors were coming in and, and doing things that were looking at trying to try and to do films that would have a wider appeal beyond just the French audience, um, yeah. because I think they've been very insular up to a point, and they hadn't, they, they'd relied upon the kind of value that you could be f- from having a niche. People who are interested in foreign films, rather than people who are interested in films who wouldn't watch it um, elsewhere. And I think there's, you know, this was a start of things that would then progress to things like um, Amelie and, and yes. such. Where yeah. you know, I think um, what
0: happened was in the sixties. We, we always associate French cinema with the Nouvelle Vague stuff, the French New Wave. It, yeah, and the seventies, little bit of a, a mystery to me with regard to French cinema. I mean, I know it was the early Depardieu stuff and. Uh, I don't know Melville in the early seventies, but it isn't until I think the late mid to late eighties. Well, you've mentioned Betty Blue, you know. Um, for for and me, three I think
2: colors red. The, and three yeah, colours the the, yeah, the trilogy that uh,
0: was that French it was Kislovsky, wasn't it? But they were filmed in France, weren't they? In French language, weren't they? But Double Life of Veronique, you know. I could all these people that. Actually went on to become international stars, Juliette Binoche, Sophie Marceau, um, Emmanuel Bayart, you know, that they, they were all all sort of born around this time in, in, in my perception. you know, mid mid-'80s to mid-'90s is a golden year of French cinema, golden period for me. Yeah. And to find a movie by someone that, whose, whose work I liked and not be aware of it until you brought it. To. It's, it's fantastic. It was it was great. I enjoyed it because it kept me thinking as well. Because as I say from the beginning, I didn't know where it was going to go, and where it did go was quite pleasing. Ended a bit bit rapidly um, with just some subtitles at the end saying that all's well that ends well. Basically, you know, it all got resolved. I gave it three stars out of five, which means you know, in my rating system, I enjoyed it. Not in any major rush to go back to it, but I'll quite happily see it again. No problem at all.
2: Good, good, yeah. I'm glad. For, you? Um, for, for me, yeah, it's um it's one that I understand. You know all the caveats you could put in there about whether people are actually willing to watch a subtitled film and a period piece, um, but if you're willing to to you know do both of those things, then I think it's a film you you should make a point of seeing. Mm. Um, no need to sort of rush out to see a special screening at the cinema or, or anything like that but you can you know you might it might be on some streaming service and if it is then and you see it there then yeah, I mean, grab a copy because it's very difficult yeah. to find actually yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah it's not you know as you said despite the fact that it's from a, a director that's got um, some notice to mm. him it seems to have slipped between the cracks a little bit you know, especially if somebody of your um, knowledge of, of film um, sort of is side by a bit, a bit by, like some yeah. other people were as well Parched so investigate by. it i would recommend people to see whether they you know they want to give it a go because um it's certainly got um worthiness to it yeah till, um, if it's 10 if
0: you're fans of like you say dangerous liaison or you know the, the films of this period and and that were made at this time like you say martin Gare and that the original uh, liaison Dangerous, you know it, Just have a look. Have a little look. You might like it. You might not. But I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. How about that? Absolutely. Okay. Now, it's going to be a little while before Paul and Liam get together
2: with me um, because holidays and work commitments and things like that. So that creates a mixed feeling within me because, on the one side, you know I want to hear them reviewing films. On the other side, um, if they're not, it gives me a possibility that I might be able to. Elbow my way back in again well, in the near future
0: with that in mind we're going to get back together very very soon but okay. this time around i'm going to choose the movie because you've chosen yeah, the last your two. turn yes yeah, so, turn too let's take a break we'll be back with what we're watching next time
1: and now preview time when it comes to entertainment You can't beat a good film. So let's take a look at what's coming your way.
0: Okay, Stephen, next time, when you pop onto the show, which is not going to be in the too distant future, I've selected a movie for you. It's not Golden Age of Hollywood, but it's, it's regarded as a Hollywood classic now. It's from the early 60s. It's 1962. Now, it was on my to watch list for years and years and years is one that I hadn't seen and I watched it for the first time last year and I loved it so much I watched it again the following day okay and bearing in mind it's been less than 12 months since I've seen it I want to watch it again and I want to talk to talk to somebody about it and I couldn't think of anybody better than you to talk about this movie okay my privilege yes you're going to hate me for it because it's probably a load of shit so <laughs> 1962 it's directed by Blake Edwards Okay, probably more famous as the husband of Julie Andrews, the director of the Pink Panther movies, Ten, you know. Jack Lemmon, one of my favourite actresses of all time, Lee Remick. It's the Days of Wine and Roses. Ah. Okay. I'll give you a brief synopsis. Most people know the plot is to do with alcohol and alcoholics it's about joe clay played by jack lemon is a rising young public relations executive when he meets kirsten arnson played by lee remick a pretty secretary at a business party joe and kirsten are both ambitious and they're on the road to success when they fall in love and marry soon after however, joe coaxes kirsten to begin drinking with him on a regular basis and eventually they're both dependent on alcohol their marriage deteriorates and their lives spiral into disaster sounds a bit heavy but it's a great character study and it's a great early 60s piece of Hollywood history. I love it. Two of my favourite actors and actresses, you know, in there. Blake Edwards is a great director. I think you'll get something from it.
2: Well, I will, you know, hold my, my hands up and say that it's one I, um, I know the name of mm. but never got around to watching. No, it. this it's was not me. Not for any particular mm. reason. It's just yeah. never got around to it. Right,
0: this was me last year and as soon as i watched it i thought bugger i've wasted so many years not being able to rewatch this so hopefully i'll have the same effect on you mate um definitely worth a go definitely worth a little look henry mancini music you know it's it's all there hopefully you're going to be with me very very soon my friend it's not going to be too too distant future
2: no absolutely yes um so we can can get that one in, in out there in the airways um but yeah and i'm, I'm very much intrigued to actually watch this given um the fact that um it's got such you know credibility to yeah, it yeah. from the the people involved in it yeah. and um yeah it's it's been one that i'd say i know the name of but not got on to right. it so finally you're making sure i i take that one off my list yeah, so good
0: okay. good i like i like doing stuff like that that something that you know is going to be new to you is going to put a new sort of spin on it as well just a first reaction to a first time watch would you like to give a little plug to our sister podcast real britannia while you're here mate
2: absolutely yeah if you have um, been able to enjoy or even just put up with um our
1: if you could bear any more of us, here, yeah.
2: then um you can enjoy more of, it, of this, um particularly with reference to the full gamut that there is of british cinema oh, yes. going back from the 1930s um up until um even the the 2010s um, mm-hmm. there's films yeah um and we, we you know cover all sorts of, of of genres as well the comedy the period pieces the, the dramas the action films war and movies it's, uh, yeah, everything and it's, you know, know there's there's a full gamut in there as far as um, you know from your carry-ons to the um, East mm. is East to you know the, the there's a full variety in there of the British what British cinema is mm. there's such a variety in there and we're attempting to um, basically give that an airing for people, um, along with Tony. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, yep. Tony's and, part of the podcast. Um, yeah. Making sure that we we sort of cover as many bases as possible. It jumps around um, enormously to try and cover the bases as just as our whim takes us. Um, and there'll be if you don't like a particular film we're reviewing, then you're you sure to have a chance with the next one because yeah. of the way in which we we pick and choose the films we're covering. But it it really does. Um, delve into not just the randomness of British cinema, but how there's actually a lot of links between seemingly oh, yeah. completely disassociated um, films. Um, d- and sometimes it's the, it's the people in them. I mean, we've discovered one particular actress that seems to have done every <laughs> single um, strand of British cinema yeah, um, just on her own. So and, and
0: over a 40-year period as well. Yeah. And it's somebody you wouldn't even consider. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's, it's a bottomless pit of enjoyment the British cinema industry because one thing I've learned we've been doing this now for a good couple of years the the Real Britannia podcast and you know people that may have had the attitude of oh British cinema well yeah well they did carry ons they did the Third Man you know what else was there Lawrence of Arabia That's no stealing comedies yeah but there's nothing more. since then there yeah. is more to it than. Even we surprise ourselves, you know, when we, we even look at some of the stuff from the Film 4 and the Handmade Films era of the 80s, um, but then we'll go back and we'll do a Norman Wisdom, or early Alfred Hitchcock, you know, 39 Steps, incredible, you know, incredible period of of movie making that we can just dip into, and as you say, every single genre as well, which is great, so... Stephen, thank you for being part of the Stinking Paws podcast this Alex, week, mate. It's my my pleasure and my honour. Thank you. So, see you very soon for the next one, which, as we say, will be the days of wine, the days of wine and roses. Easy
2: for you to say. It
0: is. Good job we're finishing. Cheers, mate. See you later. <laughs> oh,
1: take care. <laughs> Bye. The management of this theater suggests that for the greater entertainment of your friends who have not yet seen the picture. You will not divulge to anyone the secret of the ending. Astrid, stupid! Infernal jamboree is worse than two cats on a fence! You dudes get lost now here. Yeah. Good night, ladies! Good night, sir! When you feel down, try positive thinking. That's what I told the man said. Don't wear a frown, try Positive thinking, laugh at your troubles instead. You've got to look on the bright side, on hope so much depends. With your confidence sinking, positive thinking, helps you on the way, my friend. When things look black, try positive thinking, treat every season of spring. No glancing back, try positive thinking, trust what tomorrow may bring this crazy world that we live in, we'll keep on spinning round, but with good, strong, positive thinking, we'll get together and life won't let us down. Shut up, you ugly bitch. Oh, shut up, we enjoy it.